Put your hands together. Come on. Come on, let's give it up for our choir today. Come on, let's bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within us. We give God glory, honor, and praise. We certainly feel the spirit of God that is in this place today. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see all of you in the house of the Lord one more time. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to take a moment to thank everybody who has served today uh, in our service, both online and in person, from our worship leader, Minister Ludi, to our musicians, Brother Devon, and uh, the musicians in the band, and uh, to everybody who had a part in the service today. Can we say a great big thank you on a count of three, and then give them a clap off and a praise? One, two, three. Yeah. To those who are watching online as well, we thank you for hanging with us and celebrating the Lord with us. We know you could have gone anywhere, but you have chosen to partner with us today, at least to hang with us, and we are grateful for that. Let me have that mic, if you can get that mic for me. You got it already? You got it already? You can come on up. Y'all get up for Reverend Person today. He's also, thank you. He's working behind the scenes. He do it all. He's producing the, the service today. You see what he... He got the headphones on. See, he, he guiding traffic. Y'all don't even notice it. Y'all, y'all listening to the choir. When you feeling low. He, he over there. I'm going to sing with y'all. I promise I'm going to sing with y'all one of these days. But I got some friends with us that are here with us today. Um, my friend, he is the co-host with me uh, on the Pastor Study radio show. And uh, he is a dear friend, and he's brought some folks with him as well that we want to introduce. He is the Commonwealth uh, Attorney, excuse me, the Commonwealth Attorney for the City of Hampton, uh, my friend and brother, Brother Anton Bell. Come on, can we give him a big clap off and a praise? Come on up, Brother Anton. And the folks that came with him, y'all can come on up and stand right here in the front, please. I'd appreciate that. That's all right. Praise the Lord, saints. You didn't hear what he just said to me to the side. But look, I love my brother. Uh, how you doing, Lady Trace? Uh, this brother is someone who will clown you, but will pray for you after he clown you. <laughs> he sent me a text and he said, do not come in here with your eight-piece suit, your wide collar, spread collar, your double Windsor knot tie and your magnani shoes because if you do I'm not giving you the mic but <laughs> but I love my brother I, I do have some friends with me the reason I'm here is because this time of the season is election season and a lot of time you may see different individuals come here but how many of you know the Bible says that when the righteous rule the people rejoice Come on, saints. (laughs) 
And I believe that God is strategically placing his people in positions of authority so that he can serve. Come on, like Stephen served the church, that we can serve God's people. And so I got some friends with me. I have my fellow constitutional officer, Christine Sneed, that's with us. I'm going to take them out of order. I have my other fellow constitutional officer, uh, the sheriff, Karen Bowden, with us. And then I have my brother, Jimmy, uh, James Jimmy Gray, who is our current vice mayor, who is up for re-election in November. And our current on school board, Jason Samuels, who is also up for re-election in, in November. He's one of our own in Hy-Vee. Come on. And then I have my dear sister, Hope Harper, who is running in the special election for this November for city council. So Hope Harper. Now, I know that Ivy is a praying church because you got a praying pastor and a praying first lady. And one of the things that the Bible says is faith without works is dead. Oh, you got quiet on me. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got a part in this. That means that even though we're praying, even though we're fasting, even though we're trusting and believing God to do the things that we know that God can do just by his own touch, just by his own word, we can also play a part. And he has set up an election season or election uh, process where we play a part. That means we go to the polls and we exercise our right to vote. So faith is good, but faith without works is dead. So look at your neighbor and say, exercise your works and exercise your faith do not allow what you feel is frustration or what you may feel that things are not moving as quickly or the way that you think it ought to be they're going to be here after service for you to actually come up to them and talk to them because how I many you know an informed electorate is a better electorate so come up to them, ask them hard questions, get in their face like, like Pastor Kevin, get in my face all the time. Ask hard questions. I always tell them on the radio show, why are you coming for me all the time? But that's okay. It should be that way. We should be able to have electorates that we can touch, that we can approach, that we can ask questions. So pray for us as we are doing what we believe God has placed on our heart to do. But again, you have a part. So on November the 8th, don't forget to go out to the polls and vote. Exercise your faith because God wants us to be able to place those that he has put into those positions. I love you guys. I love coming here. Matter of fact, I think I'm coming here again October 2nd uh, just to hang with the fellas. So um, I love you guys because I always feel like home when I'm here. But again, I love you continue to pray for us continue to hold us up love you man you know you my boy yeah so commonwealth attorney i think um we are voting and, and to all the guests we are a voting church i think our congregation knows and i want y'all to hear this um we have a saying here at Ivy that if you don't vote, you're what? 
So they, they understand what's at stake. We thank you for coming and, and sharing with us today. And again, they'll be after available after service if anybody has any questions that they want to ask them. So let's give them a clap off and a praise one more time. All right. Now I'm going to ask Sister Keisha Samuels to come on up here. Keisha, Sister Keisha is part of the Ivy family, and uh, she is an interim dean at the Virginia Peninsula Community College. It used to be Thomas Nelson Community College, but now it is Virginia Peninsula Community College. And uh, come on, let's give her a clap off and a praise. Come on, come on over here so the camera can see you. How you doing? Good. And so she's here today because she came to us, Ivy, and said, this is my home church and we want to partner um, with you uh, to do some work in the Southeast community uh, and some work that would bring some exposure and opportunities uh, for our church and for the people in the Southeast community. So, Ms. Sanders, go ahead, tell us what you got going on. Good morning, Ivy family. Thank you, Pastor, First Lady. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I just like to say that I came to Pastor a couple of months ago, uh, right before he went out, and I shared past I shared with Pastor my new role at Virginia Peninsula Community College, and that is the interim dean for community partnerships. So a lot of what I do is hinged on partnering and building relationships and establishments throughout the community. So on September the 21st, we will be having our first Virginia Peninsula Community College Career Fair. I came to Pastor and Pastor has always, always, I mean always supported things that are going on in our community. And I cannot tell you how much that means to the community. At Virginia Peninsula Community College, we are doing everything within our power to ensure that we are connecting with the entire community. So we will be hosting our career fair on Wednesday, September the 21st, from 10 until 1 p.m. We have over 40 employers that will be present here. Uh, there's a lot of talent in our community and we want it to come here. We wanted it to be here and that's a big deal. We have companies that are in immediate need of talented individuals who will be working for them. Um, my husband's company right now, the city of Hampton, he has 40 openings right now. 40 openings right now. Um, Amazon, Walmart, and I just want to say thank you. I'd also like to acknowledge my boss, my vice president, Dr. Janetta Hollins. If you would please stand. She is here also. Thank you so much, Dr. Hollins, for being here. So Ivy family, we have flyers that are out here um, that you can just take a picture of the PR code. Please share it. We are on social media. We have made it as easy as possible. We will be raffling off tablets with one of our other partners who donated those. So please come out and support. And Pastor, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Now, you know, Keisha was real eloquent in her speech. You know, I'm not as eloquent. So I'm just going to tell y'all like this. 
did you hear what she said? 40 positions at one company. The career fair is going to be here at Ivy on this upcoming Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can bring your resume with you. You can come prepared. In some cases, some of these companies may hire you on the spot. So again, here are opportunities that we're trying to provide for you, our Ivy family, also for the community. So if you know of someone that doesn't have a job or they're not pleased with their current job and maybe they want to look elsewhere, this is the opportunity for them to come on Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And again, bring your resume. You have the opportunity to uh, network and meet other people who are hiring. And so again, let me be clear, they're bringing it here. So because they're bringing it here, let's show our support uh, for this event so that hopefully in the future, they will want to continue to partner with us as we go along. So again, thank you, uh, Ms. Keisha, for bringing uh, this career fair to us. We are very excited about it. We hope that you all will take advantage of it. And if you good, you good on your job, you straight, you know somebody in your family ain't got no job. You need to tell them to come on out here. Some of y'all living with people ain't working nowhere. That's a whole nother story. You need to tell them, come on, get up, come on to the church, 10 a.m., 1 p.m. on Wednesday and get you a job in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give Miss Samuels a big clap off in the praise. All right, let's all stand, please. Let's all stand. Tell somebody next to you or near to you, come on, tell them you love them. Come on, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Online, go ahead and post it online. Tell them you love them. Online as well. Tell them you love them. I ain't tell you, tell them you are all right. No. Tell them you love them. Why do we do this? Because our theme for the year is what? Love is the key. And what I recognize is that for some people, they may not hear those words from somebody else for the rest of the week. So it's good that they hear them in the house of God from somebody that cares about them and genuinely is concerned. Having said that, turn in your Bible, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to lift up the first verse. Also, please have as a subtext Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 30. Eight. Main text, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Supporting text, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 says, Now, brothers and sisters, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's it. You may be seated. Anton, we've been preaching in a series from the gospel of James Brown. I need you to kindly smile at somebody, look at them and smile, and tell them, get up off of that thing. Father, if you would now please that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God, you are my strength 
and my redeemer let all God's people say amen so I'm going to slow walk this series on spiritual gifts and the reason being is because I recognize that there are people who have come to our church from other churches where spiritual gifts may have been taught or you have seen evidence of spiritual gifts in a variety of forms and for some people who may have been at Ivy or other places you may have never heard or been taught spiritual gifts or maybe understand them or maybe you just don't understand how they operate and function. So I'm going to assume that nobody knows anything and I'm going to teach it from the very beginning and walk it all the way through so that you understand how we are teaching it here because again we respect the fact that other churches may teach it differently. Before I get into spiritual gifts, I think it's important. Simon Sinek, who was a best-selling author, wrote a book called Start With Why. And the thought in this book is, is that it's not so much what we do that matters, but the first thing that we need to consider before we think of the what is the why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we get up and come to church? Why do we consider it important to praise the Lord? Why am I about to teach a series on spiritual gifts? Just coming off of a series on spiritual fruit. So I need you all to understand my why. Because the why is attached to the vision that I see for the church. And as you see the vision, hopefully then you will buy into the vision. Because the Bible says write the vision and make it plain that he who sees it may start running. It is the goal that after you see the vision, you say, yeah, I, I can see that. And now I want to take part in what's going on here at Ivy. So for me then, the why of what I am about to preach in spiritual gifts and the why of why we do ministry the way we do it here is not based in 1 Corinthians 12. It is based in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 to 38. I need you to turn with me, please. It is a familiar story, but the story has deep meaning and resonates deeply with me. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible tells us that Jesus is going around and he's going into various towns and cities and he's basically doing three things. The first thing that he's doing is that he is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That means basically he's preaching the gospel. The second thing that it says is that he's teaching in their synagogues. And then the third thing that it says in verse 35 is that he is healing people of every kind of sickness and disease. What we see in verse 35 is a clear and simple illustration of all that Jesus did in his ministry. He preached he taught and he healed. We got that, right? The key for me, though, is in verse 36. And I need you all to see what I see in verse 36 in order for you to understand my why. Because in verse 36, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
If we are called to be followers of Jesus Christ, then that means that we are also called, in some cases, to see things like Christ sees them. And as Jesus looked at the crowd, I have to tell you, I see the community the very same way that Jesus saw these crowds. I see that, first of all, Jesus had compassion. Compassion simply means that he had love for the crowd. And in our case, I got love for the Southeast community. I have love for the people of God. I have love for even those who are not even saved. Because guess what? That used to be us too. Don't get no amnesia up in here and act like you don't remember what it was like before you got saved. So when I look at our community, when I look at our world, when I look at people outside of the church, I can't help but to feel some measure of compassion for them. Why? Because that used to be me. But what Jesus says is, here's what I also see, the same thing that Jesus sees. He said, number one, I see people who are harassed. In other words, it's easy to look out in our world and see people that are going through difficult experiences, that are going through hard times that are dealing with inequities, that are dealing with social justice challenges, that are dealing with all kinds of things in our community that are disproportionate to other communities that we see. It's easy to see how our people and others have been harassed. It is challenging to see how our people are treating each other. When I look at our community and I look at our uh, crowd, that's what I see. I see a people that's been harassed. I also see, like Jesus, a people that's been helpless. And the word helpless in this text literally means to throw down with force. In other words, it's easy to look out and see how many people in our society have been beat down by life. Beat down with unfortunate circumstances. Beat down with unjust laws. Beat down with family issues and dynamics. Beat down because of economic disparities. You can go on the list. But the most important one that Jesus saw that I also see when I look around, especially on social media, is that Jesus said he had compassion on them because they looked like sheep with no shepherd. You know what that means? You got people even today walking around with no guidance. Walking around aimlessly. Walking around trying to think that the next thing that they're going to do is going to be it only to realize that ain't it. We got people now that rely on social media influencers for direction. This is a sheep without a shepherd trying to figure out life on their own trying to do it by trial and error, trying to see what the next thing is going to be and following what everybody else is doing. And you know as well as I do, a sheep without a shepherd is easy for the wolves to get. And that's exactly what's happening in our society. We got so many people who now in the world are walking around in the gospel of Lionel Richie with no direction and no purpose. Knowing the love and love me for me. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but y'all get my point. 
I want y'all to see what I see because that's what Jesus saw. We see crowds of people harassed, helpless, and walking around like sheep with no shepherd. And you know what? Here's what I also believe. We in here got the answer. The answer is Jesus. Because I believe that there have been some folk in here that know what it's like to be harassed and know what it's like to be helpless and know what it's like to be walking around aimlessly, got uh, all kinds of stuff, a nice outfit but broke, drive a nice car, can't afford it. You know what it's like to be aimless, but then Jesus got a hold of your life. And how many of you can testify? Now you see life differently. You walk different, you, you talk different, you don't let people treat you any kind of way. So guess what? The answer to what we see out there is what we know to be true as believers. And I believe it with all my heart and soul and strength. And I need y'all to believe it the same way, that the answer to what we see in the crowd is Jesus. Now watch this. In verses 37 and 38, this is what Jesus said in that text. He said... The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said, pray to the Lord for workers. You know what that means? If we know that the answer is Jesus, y'all ready for this? Jesus is saying to us, I ain't going to do the work. What he's saying is, I will do the work through you. What he's saying is, there's a crowd that's ready to receive Jesus. That's the harvest. There's a crowd that is ready to receive a change in their life. But I ain't coming down to do it. I'm coming through you to do it. And the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So this is why I got to burn y'all. When, when I see us doing so many other things, and I see, and I ain't knocking the other things, but when I see the harvest... And I see the few laborers. Then we can't come up in here and say, Lord, have mercy when we see stuff in the street. Because he's leaving it up to us. So this is where I am. The goal of Ivy today for the rest of the year, here's the vision, is for every person that's a member of Ivy to be engaged in a ministry activity before the end of the year. Why? Because the harvest is out there. And the laborers are few. And when I look at love, grow, and serve, what I said last week was that the least of the three is serving. So if we then can get out of our thing and begin to realize our value of what God has called us to do, then we can get back to doing the work of the ministry. Now, there is a reason why I want us to be engaged in ministry. And it's not just so you can come up and sing even though they tore it down. It is not just so we can get together. That's not the ultimate goal of why I'm asking you to be engaged in ministry. The reason why I'm asking you to be engaged in ministry is because when you start doing ministry with people that are like-minded and you start walking with them, inevitably you end up doing life together.
and that's the goal. The goal is not that you do church together. The goal is that you do life together. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 2. After 3,000 got saved, the Bible says that right in Acts 2.42, read it when you get home, and they broke bread and they went from house to house daily, breaking bread, fellowship, and in prayer. In other words, life for the believer was more than just Sunday morning. Life for the believer was a collection of believers walking with each other throughout the week and being encouraged throughout the week. So that by the time they got back to church on Sunday, they had already had relationship with each other during the week. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that for so many of us, when we come to church and then life hits us and we leave and we go off on our own, it's too easy for the enemy to get you. That's why you got to stay in the fold so that we do life together and we can glorify God. Let me give you an example of this. Y'all might not understand it. Deacon White, come on up here. Come on up here, uh, Robin and Alantha and, and Tanisha, if y'all are up here, come on, come on up here real quick, please. Uh, I need y'all to see, this is an example of what I mean by doing life together. Y'all walking too slow. Y'all got to come on up here now. This is, this is Price is Right. Come on down. You the next contestant. Come on up here on the stage. Come on, y'all get them a clap off in the praise. I want y'all to see what I'm talking about here. This is a quick example of what I mean about doing life together. Come on up here, Deacon White. So Deacon White... Um, had a bucket list item that he wanted to do. What was the bucket list item, Deacon White? Uh, skydiving. Man, say it right so people can hear you, right? Skydiving. Wanted to jump out of a plane. He wanted to jump out of a plane. Far be it for me to judge what he wants to do for his life, but that's what he wants to do. So, how did they get involved in your bucket list item? Uh, well, um, we were casually talking, and uh, I think somebody, one of us brought it up, and it was like, hey, what do y'all think about skydiving? It was like, well, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and everybody just agreed to it. So understand what I'm saying to you all. Hear me. Y'all hear me. They have done ministry together. They have been serving in the church together. Deacon White had a bucket list item that he could have gone with some friends that were not here. But because he was connected to them because they do life together outside of the church. They break bread together. They pray for each other. Their families get together. When the conversation was raised about him skydiving, they all said, we want to jump in too. So last week, tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. Well, that's what's on the stage. That's what I'm going to say. Tell us what happened. So Saturday before last, uh, we uh, went to, I think it was the Suffolk skydiving. And without hesitation, nobody batted an eye because I think it was something that we all wanted to do and more importantly wanted to do together. Uh, I affectionately say this is my family. They're more than just friends, they're just my family. And so this is something that we all agreed to. So when we went, without hesitation, 
we went through all of our uh, required safety stuff, got harnessed up without hesitation, 13,000 feet up in the air. And uh, when it was time, that door opened and one by one, we were gone and safely landed. Thirteen thousand feet in the air. They jumped out. They knew the value of prayer when they was praying. I can say that right now. <laughs> now keep in mind, all of them are married. Spouses was on the ground. <laughs> they praying, looking at their spouse thirteen thousand feet up in the air. Had their insurance agent on speed dial just in case. Is our policy good? Does it count for this? <laughs> hey, Mark, where you at, Mark? Does skydiving count for insurance, man? It does? Jesus. So my question is, why did you want to do it with your church family? Why not? Why not? You got friends outside of the church, but every person that you did it with is a member of Ivy. Why Ivy? For me, simply, I love them. These are the people who, when I have circumstances, issues, these are the people that I connect with. Without hesitation, this is my family. So why not do life with my family? That's it. Come on, y'all give them a big clap off in the praise. Come on. Thank y'all. Did y'all want to say anything? Y'all do. You sure? Oh, it's 13.5. Oh, not just 13, 13.5. We don't want to leave off the 500, God forbid. But, but did y'all just, did y'all just hear, did y'all see, this is my heart, y'all. Church ain't going to be church if you just show up on Sunday. Because first of all, you ain't coming every Sunday, no way. So, real ministry, the way we get the crowd is we engage ourselves in the work because we see that the work is needed. But then the question is, once we bring them here, what are they going to see? What they should see is believers doing life together. Not just coming to church. The people in the streets don't need just church. The people need people that's going to be willing to walk with them. And support them. And be an example for them. And if you are just interested... And just showing up for church, saying all I want is the word and the song. Then church ain't going to work for you. Because there's more to it than that. Acts 2, they broke bread from house to house. They ate and fellowshiped with one another outside of the service. My prayer is, is that when you start developing your real crew, that your crew a large part of your real ride-or-die crew are people here. 
people that you go to church with that you can call and say, I need you to pray for me. And they say, I got you. That's the vision. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you now is so that now you can understand how I'm about to teach spiritual gifts. And now I'm ready to do it. If you're ready, somebody say, let's go. So 1 Corinthians is where we are now, written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth because Paul recognizes that that church or those people at Corinth were young and they were spiritually immature. So he's writing to them in many ways to bring correction to some of the stuff that he heard that they were doing. He planted the church, he stayed there for a period of time, then he leaves. He gets word back of what's going on while he left and he's writing 1 Corinthians to bring some much needed correction to how they are doing what they're doing in church. One of the greatest challenges that they were doing was the misuse and or abuse of spiritual gifts. So what Paul does is that he writes from 1 Corinthians 12 all the way through to chapter 14. These three chapters are the most extensive section in the Bible on spiritual gifts. What are they? How, why do they exist? What are, how do they form? What, how do we, all the stuff that we come to know about spiritual gifts mainly but not only, this is not the only place they are, but this is the largest section in the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts. So that's what we're going to do. Now again, I'm assuming you know nothing, so I'm about to start from the beginning. So here's the beginning. When you get saved and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there are five things that happen to you immediately. The first thing that happens is that you receive everlasting life with God the Father. Now notice what I said, with God the Father. Because if you've read your Bible, you will know that you're going to get everlasting life, period. The question isn't where, uh, if you're going to live, the only question is where you're going. So when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you immediately receive everlasting life, with God the Father. The second thing that happens immediately at the moment of salvation is that you are declared justified. That is a legal term. Come with attorney bail, come here. You understand that justification means that if I'm standing in your courtroom and you are presenting a case against me and I know that I am guilty of every charge that I stand before the judge, and yet the judge looks at me and says, on the basis of you believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, I cancel your charges. That's what it means to be justified. Now, only five of you clapped. But all of us, when we walk through the door, have done something that has offended God. And all of us in here, from me all the way down, are guilty as charged. 
I just need few folks that want to say thank you, Lord, for dropping all the charges that have come against my life. See, I know you want to present yourself a certain way when you walk up in the church. You want everybody to believe you blessed and highly favored. But the truth of the matter is like David, I was born in sin and I was shaped in iniquity. And if it had not been for Jesus that came into my life and gave me new purpose and new meaning, I would be guilty as charged. I would be destined for hell and truth of the matter is I don't even deserve to be alive right now. But can somebody say thank God for his grace because he justified me he declared me not guilty. Here it is. What y'all need to understand. Not only did he not declare me guilty of past sins, uh, he also declared me not guilty of present sin. Uh, and the best part is he declared me not guilty of things I ain't even done yet. Uh, I wish I had some people that want to thank this kind of God because there's no God that loves you for stuff you ain't even done yet. This happened at the moment you got saved. God said, I'm going to wipe your slate clean. And this is why the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, have I separated your sins from you. So that legal term has been taken care of. That's Romans 5. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, now I got peace with God. Y'all can read that later. Now we get to the next thing that happens when you're saved is you then become sanctified. And the word sanctified means to be set apart for a particular use by God, by God. So you are set apart from the world. You are set apart from other people. You are set apart now because now you have a different assignment. You have a different purpose in your life. That happened at the moment of salvation. The fourth thing that happened at salvation is that you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit baptism is not something that's always discussed, but you need to know about it. See, we know about the physical baptism where you get dunked in water. But Holy Spirit baptism happens at the moment of salvation when the Holy Spirit now, because the word baptism means to be immersed or to go under. When you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes your soul and immerses you or places you in the body of Christ. That happened at the moment you got saved. And the last thing that happens when you get saved immediately is that same spirit that baptized you or placed you in the body of Christ is now the same spirit that gave you fruit and gave you gifts. So let me help y'all because we got too many people that's trying to earn favor. When I just told you, at the moment of salvation, you got favor. You don't have to try to come to church to earn fruit. You got fruit. You don't come to church to try to earn your gifts. He gave them to you when you got saved. You see, the difference between God is that God doesn't operate like man does. Let's take taxes, for example. See, the government don't trust that you're going to give taxes, so they take your money off the top. Because they don't trust you enough that you're going to give it some other way. But God trusts you enough that he gave you everything you needed up front. 
And so now, if you're not where you're supposed to be, it's because you ain't working what you got. But yet you keep praying for more. But God said, I gave it to you. Work what you got. So today's thing, and get up off of that thing, uh, the first week one was apathy. Last week was excuses. The thing we need to get up off of today is whatever is holding you back from grabbing God with all you got. So here it is. There are five things that happen. You got eternal life with God. You were justified. You were sanctified. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God gave you spiritual fruit and gifts the day you got saved. So if you've been saved for 20 years and we don't see no fruit, You got a dry vine. That ain't God. That's you. Next slide, please. So with that, let me go over the fruit of the Spirit. These are nine things that the Spirit has given to you that you are to develop regardless of your personality, your background, your income. This is what you are to develop. These nine fruit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, got kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the standard of which you are to look at your life because these same fruit were evident in Christ. And you are to measure your life based on the fruit here or lack thereof. You ought to be able to look and say, all right, I'm good here. But in this area, Lord, have mercy. That's the standard. Not church attendance. Where's your fruit? Not joining the ministry for the sake of joining the ministry, but where's the fruit? Because fruit comes before gifts, as I'm about to explain. Now, here's the slide that I really want you to see. This is the slide of the world versus uh, the kingdom and I need you to understand this because uh, oftentimes we compare the world's version of success to the kingdom's version of success and we think that they are the same thing wrong so in the world most of the time success is measured by how popular we are that's why so many people won't follow us on social media you ain't really friends with them but you just like the number because the number represents some measure of popularity. Money is an indicator for some in the world about success. Education is an indicator in the world about success. Material possessions, how much of them you have, is some indicator in the world of success. And if we're not careful, we'll bring that list into the church. And so then you start putting people in leadership that ain't got Holy Ghost, they got money. You start putting people in leadership 
that don't know God, but they got education. They know how to talk. You start putting people uh, that ain't got no business with no gift, but they got material things, and you look at it and say, they must be blessed. But let me get a sister that know how to pray. Let me get a brother that know how to call on the name of the Lord. See, because when you come to church and in the kingdom, that list on the left don't apply. See, in the kingdom, what applies is, are you producing fruit? Hmm. And are you uh, utilizing your spiritual gifts? This is the measure of success in here. I, I wish y'all were here earlier at the 9 o'clock prayer time because in the prayer time we had Sister Nikki and Sister Easter Ann and, and others who are up here praying uh, to God with all their heart and soul. And I guarantee you if you were to look at their bank account, they probably would tell you I'm not rich by any stretch but I know how to call on the name of the Lord. And this is what I'm trying to get y'all to understand uh, that when you come through these doors uh, money is nice yes education is nice I'm not knocking it uh, but what's most important is where's your love because when people who are unsaved uh, come into church uh, they don't care about your education where's your joy where's your peace where's your patience with me when I keep messing up where's your kindness toward me when I don't get it right I don't care about your money do you have fruit And this evens the playing field for us because now I can be successful in the kingdom and I might not have money you got. I might not drive what you have. I might not wear what you wear, but I know how to call on the name of the Lord because I got the Holy Ghost. And y'all coming up in here thinking you're unworthy because you have measured yourself in here by the same basis that people out there measure you and that's a lie. In here, it's fruit and gift. You know how I know? Because you know one of the main reasons why people stop coming to church is because they're tired of people not having money. They're tired of people being nasty. I ain't never in my life heard or saw on social media that somebody said, I stopped going to church because them people in there got too much education. They stopped coming because there's no evidence of fruit. Where's the love? And if you're nasty here, I might as well go home and stay with the nasty. This ought to be the most fruitful place of your week. I should see it all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. I should see it all. That's why it's got to come before gifts. Because if you're trying to use your gift and you don't have the fruit first, that means you just want to impress. And we got too much mess in that in the church too. All right, so I think we're ready now. I think we're ready. So what then is a spiritual gift? What is it? Well, here's the definition that I'm going to use. This is the standard that I'm going to use 
And I want y'all to take a picture of it so y'all can see it. But this is the standard that I'm going to use here. Now, other people may define it differently, but I'm going to use this one. A spiritual gift family is the manifestation. Manifestation is a big word. It simply means the physical or tangible evidence. It is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power at work in your life. And it is within that power that you begin to understand what your kingdom assignment is. So let me say that again. The Holy Spirit brings power to it. So if your gift is in operation, we should see power coming from you. Because that is a reflection of God at work in you. And that also helps you to understand your assignment. My gift is teaching. I know it. You know how I know it? Because before I got saved, I ain't teach nothing. So if you see power coming from me as I teach, it ain't Kevin. It's the Holy Ghost. If you want to thank me, thank God first for the gift that he's given to me. And then thank me for letting the power come from that gift. Now, here's what I need you to understand. The same power of the gift that he's given to me is the same power of a gift that he's given to you. Now, watch this. Imagine a service now where if you see power flowing from me, that the whole place got power. Instead of you just coming to watch and receive. Imagine coming to a place where everybody's power is on display. The Holy Spirit's, the Holy, the, the Spirit, a spiritual gift is when people can look at you and see what's happening in you and know it ain't you that's doing it. That's the ghost. That's spirit working in them. Because I know them outside. I know. Outside of this here, I can't even find my keys. I don't know where my stuff is. But in here, you see the ghosts. That's a spiritual gift. Now the question is, what's the difference between a gift and fruit? What's the difference? So fruit, think of, are qualities. These are qualities or things that every believer should have. When you think about a Christian, when you think about any person who claims to be a child of God, the answer should be based on these qualities that define them. We all have to work on these qualities because all nine of these qualities are a reflection of the qualities of Jesus. We don't get to pick and choose 
which of the nine we want to work on. We got to work on all nine. The difference between fruit and gift is that gift is spirit enabled, hmm, which then connects you, are y'all ready for this? To your kingdom assignment. You can't possibly understand how you fit in the body of Christ if you first don't know your gift. And sadly, in a lot of churches, you got a lot of people who shout and run but don't know their gift. And they don't know where they fit. I don't want that here. I want you to know how you're wired. I want you to know your gift. I want you to know your assignment of your gift. Because again, Paul is making a, an illustration of the body of Christ. So watch this. The body of Christ is every believer that's ever existed. And he's using the body as an illustration. But the local church is also a miniature body. Where we see here a miniature body that we can't see in the larger body. You all know as well as I do that all body parts have to work in order for the body to be healthy. So watch this. If I said to you last week, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. If you went to your doctor and your doctor comes in after running some tests and they say to you, sir, ma'am, according to our test results, only 20% of your body's working. How you gonna feel about that? Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. These are spirit enabled that connect you to your purpose. I am a pastor because in part, the office of a pastor, one of the requirements is you must be able to teach. Unfortunately, we got a lot of pastors who don't teach. That's a whole nother story. But the position pastor fits my gift teaching. When the two line up, now you can do great things for God. Now there's one last thing I need to tell you about and make this distinction. So fruit are qualities. We all have to work on them. Gifts are spirit enabled. You won't get every one of them. The Holy Spirit will determine what you get. But you are to work whatever it is. Then the last question comes in, well what's the difference between if I have a talent or a skill or a gift. So let me help you. Talents are things that you are born with. Some people are more naturally talented at doing certain things. And usually your talents in, some, in most cases are inherited from your parent or family. For example, 
Playing sports at a high level is a talent. It's not a gift. Drawing very well, being able to paint very well is a talent. It's not a gift. Singing is a talent. Not everybody can come up here and sing like they did. I know I can't. And even though my dad sang today, I'm on my mama's side when it comes to singing. I ask the Lord why all the time. You know, why can't I sing like my daddy? <laughs> put me in Z, Devon. Put me in Z. Just put me in Z. If you were to ask most of the choir members how they're able to sing, they may be able to tell you that somebody in their family was singing. And it got passed down. There are certain things that you have in your life that you were born with that is a talent that's not a gift. A gift is what you get at salvation. So you've had a talent all your life, but you haven't had gifts all your life because gifts come when you give your life to Christ. Are y'all with me today? Now, let me help you. You got fruit, you have gifts, and you have talents. And all three of them, in order for them to operate properly, you need skill. Skill is the ability to work what you have. So in other words, if I have talent to sing, but I don't know how to skillfully sing and keep my range in place, I'm still going to sound off. If I know how to draw, but I haven't worked on the skill of staying within the lines. Are y'all with me? So, whether you have fruit, talent, or gift, you still need the skill to develop what you have. So for me to teach, I don't just come up here and give you information. There is a skill behind it that I have to work on so that I can present it to you in the best way possible. Skill is what you have to bring to the table. God gave you fruit. God gave you gift. God gave you talent. You got to bring the skill or the work ethic to develop what you have. Now let me put all of this in context and then I'm done. So if singing, let me just use y'all for an example. If singing is a talent, then where's the gift? Watch this. When anybody sings or preaches or whatever they do, come up on the stage, but I'm just using singing as an example right now. When you sing, there still should be fruit that you should see as I sing. Watch this, y'all. Because when I sing, you ought to see me sing with joy. Don't come up in here and sing because you know notes. Sing because you know the goodness of the Lord and you know the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Sing because I'm in love with God. And I think about everything that God has done for me. And I can't help myself but to give God praise and thanks. So the least I could do is use my talent to sing to the glory of God because he's been good to me. And whether I can sing on key or not, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is So if I got a talent to sing, if I got a talent to know how to pray, if I got a talent to read, if I got a talent to preach, it don't matter if I ain't doing it with no joy and no love. So anybody that takes the mic, if you ain't got no fruit behind what you're doing, now let me take it a step further. Watch this. Where's the gift? Because I gave you the fruit. Let me use y'all again for an example. So if I'm in the choir and I sing because I got a talent, but now I'm using my fruit because I'm singing with love and joy, but now I got a gift of exhortation. And for those who don't know, I'm going to walk through all the gifts, but exhortation is I got a gift of encouragement. That means that when I show up to choir rehearsal, before we sing any note, I'm walking around encouraging everybody in the Lord. Come on, get your mind off of the world. We got to get this rehearsal right. Come on, get yourself together so we can sing to the glory of God. Now, I have used my gift, I've used my talent, and you see my fruit. I sing with joy, fruit. I sing with love, fruit. But if I got a gift of encouragement, before we come out here, we're going to pray first. And I'm believing that every vocal cord will be right. I'm trusting against the enemy that will come and try to divide us in the choir. I pray that we all sing the same, act the same, because we want to be in unity when we come out here all for the glory of God. Lord, we don't care who get the solo. We don't care who get the credit. What we care for is that when we are done, that lives are changed and the glory of God has been pronounced evident in my, in their lives. They can see God's power. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's verse one. Now that I've given you the introduction next week, stay tuned. We're going to start walking through them. Gift is spirit enabled. You got it at salvation. Stop trying to ask for stuff you already got. Start working the skill of using what you have. Now, here's what we're going to do. So we used to do wrap up with Shantae and others in the members relations ministry. Shantae is phenomenal. Let's give her a clap off in the praise. Chante, are you here? If you're here, stand up, please. If you're here, I can't see. All right. 
But let me tell you how Shantae uses her three. She has the talent to make people laugh. But you can see the joy that she has as she's making people laugh. That's the fruit. The gift is, again, exhortation. She has the ability to encourage people through laughter to remind people of what's needed to be done in the church. And she's using her talent to make you laugh while also encouraging you in the Lord. That's why you have a gift. You have a gift to give God glory. You have a gift to build up the church. That's each other. And you have a gift so that God can be seen in your life. And when we build that up, now we can be the church. Now we can see the crowd and love them and say, I got something for you. You come in here, you come here and your life will be changed. Cause we're gonna put the fruit on you and we're gonna use gifts to help sustain you. And we begin to do life together and lives are changed. So Shantae and, and the member relations team that used to do the wrap up, I'm using this time now for Reverend Person because starting today, and every Sunday thereafter, Reverend Person is going to share with us because a lot of people say, well, Pastor, just put me anywhere. No, I ain't trying to put you anywhere. <laughs> no. We ain't doing that. We used to do that. Our ministries would be like, we'll take anybody that will want to come. But let me help you. Don't be joining the youth ministry if you don't like kids. If you got a quick temper and you still need to be delivered from your cussing spirit, the usher ministry ain't for you. <laughs> Sit your damn. That ain't your gift and that ain't your assignment. <laughs> So as Reverend Person shares with us each week, these are immediate needs, seriously y'all. These are areas where we do need your placement, but we want the placement to work for you and for the ministry. So prayerfully consider your talents, the fruit and the gifts. We will help you with skill. We will teach you skill, but you still gotta make sure it's a good fit for you. So Reverend Person's coming at this time. Y'all give Reverend Person a hand. Come on, give him a hand. Amen. Good morning, fam. Uh, I think Pastor could have done this. He, he got some good laughters out there today. But uh, nevertheless, good morning, uh, Dave Person serve at IVA as Director of Ministry. And I do know that's my gift. Uh, God has, has called me for this season, has called me here uh, to support Pastor and this church in helping people discover their gifts, uh, develop their gifts, and serving their gifts. And uh, one thing all new members ask me, they say, 
it looks like Ive is such a well-oiled machine. Y'all have got things going. But like Pastor said, it's 20 percent. And uh, the volunteers here, that volunteers, we are working those 20% hard. So I want to say first thank you, and I want to be able to give them an opportunity so they can come to service and not always be in work mode, but also be in worship mode. Hey, so the first, uh, let me say this too. So I'm working with Reverend Overby because others have asked about spiritual guest assessment. I know some of you all have had them. Some of you want to do it again. Reverend Overby and I are working uh, behind the scene. Hope to have that information in a couple weeks where you can either do it online or in person and we can help you identify your gifts but today we want to highlight uh, one ministry that is, has a immediate need and that is the production ministry uh, so you see a lot of folks on Sunday morning I was even pinch hitting today walking around with headsets you know so if I'm directing the floor y'all know it's a problem uh, so, uh, but uh, that ministry led by uh, Brother Bill Austin, who every Sunday is faithfully up in the booth with his team working up there. We need help in that area. So you say, where can I help? So there's first servers, and, and those are those of us who work on the floor to make things uh, happen, to, uh, to make things go, all behind the scenes uh, type of work to be done. And you'll see it up on the screen. There's also video recording. We do commercials in-house, out of the house. The announcements uh, uh, pre-record every week. Uh, we do uh, promos. And, and some people say, well, I might not have skills with uh, recording. Believe me, Bill will not cut you loose on a, on a, with a camera until you're ready to get, be on the camera. But we need your help. We need your help there. And then with the equipment, you know, the different shots that you see, the lights, uh, all these things that go on for in-house and on online, we need help. I've been here, and it's been uh, just two people, and that's a lot of work for two people. And some people might say, well, why didn't this happen right? Why didn't that happen right? Because... A few people try to do a work for many. So I'm telling you, if you feel this passion, if you feel this call, if you just want information, Bill's contact information email is up on the screen. You can always email me. Uh, you can always stop and see me here at church, and I can get you connected with Bill. But we really believe this is an immediate need that we have in the church for serving the ministry. So my, my desire, like Pastor says, to get everybody connected. So we're reaching out and asking for your support in this area today. God bless. Again, we have some very eloquent speakers here at the church. Bill comes from WTKR Channel 3. We are blessed to have that kind of talent that is here at our church. There may be some young people in here that might be interested in production or broadcasting. He can assist and train and give the necessary skills so that by the time they go further, whether it's college or somewhere else, they will already be knowledgeable of what to do in this particular area. So again, everything that we need is in the house. Reverend Person says sometimes it's been two. What Bill needs is five people every Sunday. Five. Otherwise, he's doing flips and cartwheels to make it happen. The last thing I'm going to say is churches today, and Ivy's no exception, there's no church that I know of where the ministry can be done exclusively by the staff. 
Staff is existing to help create structure and order so the people can do the work. If we don't have volunteers and servers, it then falls back on the staff. So one of the reasons why I took sabbatical because I was burned out. Trying to do work that should have been done by someone else. But if I'm tired, then you got to also know the staff is tired. And they need a break. Or more hands. So it's not just me, y'all. This is the culture that we're trying to build where you realize your value and your presence is needed to make our church be all that it can be. So we're done there. Let's give Reverend Person a big clap off in the praise again. We're going to head off if... You want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are watching online, text the at sign, join Ivy, send it to 81010. Somebody is standing by, text the at sign, 81010. If you're in the room, you want to partner with us in ministry, you want to join our church, you want to give your life to Christ, we'll be standing up here after service is over. Commonwealth Attorney, thank you. All of our guests, thank you. Y'all can um, be available after service is over. Um, we'll also connect with you as well. Let's say goodbye to our online folks. Online folks, thank you so much. We love y'all. See y'all next week. Everybody else, let's stand. Please.